Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open it with me to Proverbs chapter 16. Great job, choirs. Great. How many enjoyed the children's choir? How many enjoyed the adult choir? About 30%. Proverbs uh, chapter 16, verse 3. The Bible says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. These are the kind of verses that you wouldn't think are in the Bible because people talk about life, even in church I'm talking about. They talk about life just being a product of chance and how many of you know we don't know why things happen. Let me tell you something. If life is just a product of random chance, we could all die at any time. We could all get sick at any time. Why are there verses like give no place to the devil? If, if you get attacked successfully, whether you give him place or not, what's the point of a scripture like that? Life is not a product of chance. Life is a product of decisions. Can you say amen? And you can make decisions. Basically, that's what the whole Bible is. It's God teaching you how to make decisions that are in line with his covenant. So everybody, I mean, you're making decisions whether, whether you are or not. If you don't even get out of bed, that's a decision. But then you can make decisions not knowing, and that's where you get into Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you don't know the Bible, that's why I'm going to give you some Bible, even though it's Christmas Eve. Some people, it's their only church service of the year. They're making their annual appearance. So it'd be good to get to hear some scriptures. Amen. So just hear the Christmas story. Uh, again, the only sermon you've ever heard in your life. So you can make decisions in line with God's word. And the Bible says when you do, if you commit your way, commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. Well, what actions am I to commit to the Lord? Go to Proverbs chapter 3, just over a couple pages to the left. Proverbs chapter 3. Commit your actions unto the Lord and your plans will succeed. Not your plans have a better chance of succeeding. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So then the Bible is going to tell me actions to take that I, I commit to the Lord. Pro, what specific actions? Proverbs 3.1. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, so there's an action. Store my commands. Store God's word in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years... And your life will be satisfying. Well, I mean, if Proverbs 16, 3 and Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 were the only scriptures in the Bible, it'd be worth, if the God that wrote this can keep his word, it'd be worth being a part of this. What does it say? If you store my word in your heart, you'll live many years. Everybody say many years. I mean, no, we could die at any time. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, if I do this, I'll live many years. What kind of years will they be? Just grinding out an existence? No. Everybody say, my life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you'll find favor with both God and man, and you'll earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. 
Seek his will in everything you do, and he will show you which paths to take. Uh, nobody wants to talk about fasting on Christmas Eve, but we're not going to fast on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or even the day after Christmas. But January 2nd through the 22nd, we're having 21 days of prayer and fasting for, I don't, I mean, I've only been a pastor two years. Um, but I've done that. I watched my dad fast and pray growing up, and I never did it as a teenager. But then I made up my mind when I went to Bible school, I was going to start doing what he did. So it's in the Bible. I know people, charismatics all mock fasting, but it's in the Bible. Jesus fasted, Elijah fasted, Moses fasted. It's all through the Bible. And the Bible says Jesus told the disciples, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. I'm going to move along from fasting, but just stay with me. I know you're staring me down like I won money off of you in a poker game, but this is in the Bible. So I started to commit. Everybody said, commit your way to the Lord. When I woke up this morning, that's the scripture that, that was on my heart. Commit your way unto the Lord. So most, most churches, I would say, just completely ignore um, everything. They don't know what they believe. If you ask them, they don't know what they believe. I'm not being critical. They don't, they don't know which books of the Bible. I was talking to a guy from a denomination, and I said, what about this scripture? He said, we don't believe that part of the Bible. I said, which parts of the Bible do you believe are inspired? They said, we're not sure. Well, that makes for a confusing life. So you got some people who don't know what they believe. Then, of the few that have direction, they basically have been overrun with secular business principles. So you're going to hear a lot of preaching in church come the start of the year about making goals and making New Year's resolutions, how many know we need to have goals. I, somebody with goals is going to do better than somebody that doesn't have goals. But you're going to notice what the Bible says here. Don't lean under your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Commit your way. Everybody said, commit your way to the Lord. So... I remember the first fast I did. Everything I'm saying, I want you to hear it in the context of committing your way to the Lord. Even you being here today on Sunday morning. Sunday's the, which day of the week is Sunday? First or seventh? First. So you're taking the first part of your week, even though it's Christmas Eve, and I'm sure you got a ton of things planned today, but you told your family, we're going to start today in church. And remember, remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible says there's a blessing for committing your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord, and he will make all your plans succeed. So I'm, I'm, I want you to get on this track with me where I started fasting in Bible school. I remember the first one-day fast that I did. I felt like I was in Guantanamo Bay for 17 years. I actually, there was a Dunkin' Donuts down the road from our school in Rhode Island. I think in New England, there's a law that there has to be a Dunkin' Donuts every 50 feet. So... I went and got six glazed donuts and six chocolate frosted donuts. And for the last hour of the prayer and fasting, from 11 p.m. till midnight, I just sat on the edge of my bed with the box of donuts open and looked at the clock. No prayer, just thinking of donuts. And I ate about, I would say, nine in three minutes as soon as the clock struck midnight. Well, that was my introduction. I was getting my feet wet in prayer and fasting. Then I started... At the beginning of the year, my dad would take the first 21 days of the year and fast and pray. He would do one week for his ministry, one week for the family, and one week that God would put a special anointing on his altar calls. Which if you've seen, how many of you have ever seen my dad preach? 
You remember when he was here last time when he gave the altar call? He didn't even barely give an altar call. He just invited people to come forward that wanted to get saved and said, I'll kneel first and knelt down and shut his eyes. And I think about 45 people flooded the altar. Well, that's a product of committing that to the Lord and asking God to help him. So why do we commit our way to the Lord in fasting and prayer to start the year? Last year at this time, we had no 24.8 acres of land. We fasted and prayed, and God gave us that theme during fasting and prayer, the righteous shall possess the land. We broke the fast January 22nd at 6, uh, what, 8 p.m. when the service was over with Oso's Pizza, and then uh, 5 in the morning, the next morning, we got a message that someone wanted to give us 24.8 acres of commercial land for the church that was already zoned to be a church, which they won't zone any land. Uh, to be a church. So that came by fasting and prayer. There was no Revival Today Church Fort Worth. That all was birthed by committing your way to the Lord and then the Lord directing your paths and causing your plans to succeed. I want you to come on this journey with me. We're not, fasting's not punishment. It's not, okay, we've had a lot of fun for Christmas. Now it's time to, you know, be serious and punish ourselves. When you take the thing that's the greatest appetite of the flesh, eating, and push it away, and then pray. It's not just fasting, it's fasting with prayer. The Bible says, he that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto man, but speaks directly to God and builds himself up. What part of you are you building up? Not your flesh, your spirit. So when you take your flesh and put it at its lowest point, and then you build your spirit man to its strongest point, then you start to hear what many people go their whole life without ever hearing, God's direction for their life. I want you to close both eyes and just say this from your spirit. Say, thank you, Father, that I'm not an accident. I'm designed by you. And you have a plan for my life. Now, imagine going your whole life and never knowing what the plan is. You just get a job because your uncle was able to get you work. And then next thing you know, 18 years shoots by, 27 years shoot by, you've been able to pay most of your mortgage off and your car payment, and you're just existing. I mean, you're doing better than people, you're not living under a bridge, so there's no, no problem, you're doing okay. But God didn't create you to survive. God created you to do great, the Bible says in the book of Daniel, those that know their God shall become strong and do exploits. Everybody say exploits. But that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by a commitment of your life to God. Committing your way to the Lord. What are you going to do in 2024? You're going to just repeat 2023. Hopefully nothing goes wrong. Hopefully there's no lawsuits. Hopefully nobody gets sick. Or you can go in a different direction where you say, Lord, I take the first part of this year. I give it to you in fasting and prayer. And then in doing that, there's a reward for fasting and prayer. And I'm not going to preach on fasting and prayer. I've preached on it enough right now. But I'm telling you, there's a reason. Is this a normal size two-year-old church? No. And then just have a second one. And the second one right now is smaller than this one, but it's still, what, probably six times the average United States church. Nothing is happening at a normal pace here. We've outgrew our first building in less than a year. We've outgrown this one. We're out of parking. 
And then we're getting that, the, 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 the land developed and built, and I'll have news on that in 2024. Nothing in this ministry happens normally. I'm starting to lose track of the amount of people that have gotten out of wheelchairs. There's one, one here today. Stand up so everybody can see you. Last time, first time she came, she was in a wheelchair. Now she's not in a wheelchair. Seven strokes with hemorrhaging on the brain. No ability to speak or walk, and she's speaking and walking. Can you say amen? Say with me, God is a supernatural God. But you'll never, you'll never whiff the supernatural. We could easily be kicking around here with 31 people in a Holiday Inn Express ballroom asking if people could please give today because how many know this sound system is, isn't free? We need help. You know, if this ministry is going to go another year, we really... There, you can lean on the flesh if you want, but you can lean in to the Holy Ghost and see the supernatural power of God mark your year. And... Uh, what else? I think 2019, we took in two point something million dollars for the year. Now, I'm just talking about money. Two point something million dollars. Then we went to go into 2020. During fasting and prayer, I felt the Lord speak to me that the theme for the year should be Amos 9.13. The day is coming, says the Lord, where the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. That means faster than you can sow the seed, the harvest comes in. So I felt the Lord speak to me. Say that 2020 is a year of supernatural acceleration. Well, that sounded great in January. Then when COVID hit, March 17th, and you weren't allowed to have any church services, over 10 people, I had wished to God that I had given a different theme for the year. I thought supernatural acceleration... This looks like it's going to take a miracle to keep your head above water. But that year, God gave me an idea. When that hit, we started that show called Check the News, and it exploded. Before YouTube took it down, we were having more viewers than any mainstream news television. Uh, that's why they took us down. I think CNBC was having 7,000 people at a time watch on YouTube. We had 22,000 people watching at a time, and it blew up. So we took in three point something million in 2020, up from two million with everything shut down. Then 2021, I think five million. 2022, no, 2021, five, uh, seven million. 2022, last year, 15.1 million, double. And then this year, we're gonna hit 23 million next week. And we've given away just under seven million dollars from this church, almost 30% of what's come in to other ministers and ministries and widows. We feed 2,000 children a day. So what we took in, what we took in in 2019 comes in about every month now. That's not normal. That, we're talking from 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. That's it. All by doing what God says. God is an easy God to figure out. He just wants honor. Not you make your own decisions and hope everything works out. Most people, they make all their own decisions, they fall into a pit, and then they say, I need prayer. Why not do your praying ahead of time? Everybody say, commit your plans to the Lord. And he will cause your life to succeed. One more time, commit your way unto the Lord. And he will cause your life to succeed. Let me ask you a question. Was Daniel 
just doing anything he wanted, and then all of a sudden he got thrown into the lion's den, and he began to pray, and God gave him a miracle and delivered him? No. Daniel prayed how many times a day? How many times a day did Daniel pray? Three times a day. And then when they threw him into the lion's den, what did the lions do? Nothing. Because when you commit your way to the Lord, your life's not up for grabs for anybody to destroy. Those lions tore his accusers to the bone before they hit the ground, but they knew they couldn't touch him. You look like everybody else, but when you commit your life to the Lord, you're not like everybody else, and your life is not allowed to end in defeat. Your life in 2024 is going to be the greatest year that you've ever had in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, go ahead and do what you're already doing on this Christmas Eve, this great Christmas Eve service. Clap your hands under the Lord. Give Jesus a mighty shout. So they're going to pop a graphic on the screen, and then if you're, if you're here, January 2nd through the 22nd, I had the Lord speak to me that scripture out of Romans chapter 11. I've yet preserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. Who gets a, a plane given to them? And the person tell you, just fill it up with gas. I mean, that's a miracle if somebody gives you a car and just tells you to fill it up with gas. And who, who gives somebody a car and pays for all the maintenance the whole time you're using it? The maintenance is pay, on that plane's paid for. Everything, everything, it's a miracle. It's not costing money, it's saving money. Can you say amen? Well, that's, that's a product. There's a reward in fasting and prayer. People used to make fun of me for fasting and praying when I was 31. And two, I don't think you need to do all that. I've noticed people are starting to kind of be quiet about it now. Because nobody could look at everything that's happening here and say, that is because Jonathan and his team are very smart. Nobody's this smart. You can't get a plane given to you by smarts. We didn't steal it. It was given. And the guy who gave it to us has a ministry where he said, I want to give jets to preachers. And so I figured I was like the 13th one he gave it to. He said, you're the first. Why, why would you pick me as the first? Am I the most famous preacher in, in America? Uh, no, I, I, not, in the, not close. Probably not in the top 100 or 200. So why pick me? There's things you can do, just like you can provoke a curse, you can provoke a blessing. And for some reason, most people are so focused on the devil and curse and demons, they don't focus on that other side of the Bible that you can take actions that God said to take in his word that provoke a blessing for you, for your children, and your children's children. So there it is. The theme for 2024, which I'll announce, is the right... It sounds like I'm just being lazy and didn't pray, but I actually feel like it's going to be part two and part three. Three years, the righteous shall possess the land. And then the scripture, I've reserved for myself. I have 7,000 others who have never bowed to Baal. Romans 11, verse 4b. I have 7,000 others who have never bowed to Baal. So everybody that's watching online that would like to join us. I'm believing last year I was believing for a thousand people to join us and I think we ended up with 4,400. So I'm believing for 7,000 people to join us in fasting and prayer. And I believe it's not just going to have an effect on your life, 
I believe the pendulum is swinging the other way in America. Anybody see when they interviewed uh, Mason Rudolph from the Steelers after the, their victory yesterday? It's like you can't even watch an NFL game with somebody preach it without somebody preaching a good sermon to you. I mean, not, not about God and blessing, about Jesus Christ and what he's done. The thing is swinging the other way in America. You can see that the wicked are enraged, but they can't do anything about it. Because they had their three years, but now it's our time where God's giving a window for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to make great impact before we're out of here. All my friends that are watching me online, I want you to take time right now and uh, register for that prayer and fasting. Put that back up on the screen if you would. Go to rtcregister.com, I believe rtcregister.com those of you that are here so it's 10 a.m. Is, is online noon we have prayer in Pittsburgh live and then breakthrough meetings every night 7 o'clock in Pittsburgh 6 o'clock Fort Worth, Texas simulcasted and I'm going to bounce back and forth between both places but it's live every night so I don't know which place I'm going to be each night I don't have to decide because we've got that plane so it's like going to Washington, Pennsylvania amen just hop in and go and preach and come back. So we're going to have two meetings going at, at the same time, one in Texas, one in Pittsburgh. And I promise you, you're not going to take 21 days of your year and give it to the Lord up front and not see him the next 11 and a half months blow your socks off with blessings. If you can testify to that, can you say amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in everything you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. I mean, a sickness can attack at any time. Not me, it can't. The Bible says there's actions I can take that guarantee I'll have healing for my body and strength for my bones. Can you say amen? Again. If life is just random, why do any of this? I mean, no, God chooses our days. and Okay, then why fast and pray? I mean, you know, some, some of us, God has a will to do something great. Others of us won't see any blessings till we get to heaven. Then there's no point. There's no point in probably 80% of the Bible. Give no place to the devil. Resist the devil. Why resist the devil? If he, <laughs> does the Bible say resist the devil and he might flee? Resist the devil and he... Okay, so then that needs to be torn out of the Bible then. If life just is a random occurrence of events and death and anything can happen, then there's no point in any of these scriptures. There's no point in coming to church. I mean, no, we can do anything we want, but ultimately it's God who decides. Then there's no point in any of this. But if that's wrong, and it is, and the Bible gives you clear instruction that if you follow those, notice how many times it guarantees it. It doesn't say, commit your way unto the Lord and you might prosper. Commit your way to the Lord and he may make your plan succeed. Commit your way to the Lord and you will prosper. Amen. You know, this church is making it very difficult for me to go on the road and preach because you go to other churches and they don't, they're not alive. You have to, I guess that's why they need revival. <laughs> but this church is in revival. Can you say amen? Verse 9. 
Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's one of about a hundred scriptures that tell you that your giving to the Lord does not help increase God. It's very hard to, <laughs> to help the net worth of someone who owns all the silver and all the gold. But you hear most people take an offering, you'd think you were trying to help God keep his business going. He needs your help. If you could please give, God really wants to do a lot of things, but the people won't give. If you could just please give. No. If you honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce, then your vats will overflow with wine and your barns will overflow with grain. Not he'll put food on your table. Your barns will overflow with grain. Now, I'll just give you one example. I felt to sow, we are all caught up on our tithes and offerings, but I felt to sow this week $100,000. So I told Patrick to get the check ready, and I went to go give it to somebody. And as I told him to get the 100000 ready, somebody sent us a check for 150000 Then two days later, this is all this week, another check for 125000 from another state. One of the people were a part of this church, one of the people are not a part of this church. So before I could get the hundred out the door, two, uh, what, 75 was back in. I only got a C in math, but 275 is better than a hundred. So when God spoke to me to sow that hundred thousand dollar seed, it's not, Jonathan, you've had a good year, so I want you to sacrifice some of that money so others can have. No, anytime God speaks to you about giving, he has a harvest in mind for you. If you will ever get that reframed in your brain, then tithes and offerings is not a part of the service that you have to tough out. Okay, you no, know, this part's not that long, but then he'll preach after and it's much better and then he'll pray for you, but just you can kind of just go on your phone for this part. This church is too big to keep track for me. I mean, obviously our, our accounting department has to keep track of it or we'll go to jail. But I don't know who gives or who doesn't give. And one thing I know from growing up in the ministry, there's very poorly dressed people that give a lot of money, and there's very richly dressed people that give no money. They're called senators. That's a fact. You can look at their, their statements. So I was looking at some senators give $300 a year, some $600 a year of their own money. They, they collect money from other people to give, but they don't give much themselves. So I'm not, you giving or not giving, it's not like I'm looking at people and going, there's the... Wazinski family. That sounds like a Pittsburgh last name that I just made up. There, there's the Wazinski family. They don't give. I'm going to teach on giving for 20 minutes and see if I can get them to start giving. There's nobody here that if you withdrew your tithe would affect anything. You know, when your budget's $1.5 million a month, it just doesn't matter anymore. I'm the most carefree I've ever been because there's no way for me to come up with any plan to do anything we're doing. People say, what if it doesn't work out? I, I can't do anything. If I sell my kidney, that's $72,000. That'll last me four days. So there's no way to come up with any kind of plan to do it. But if the Lord's doing it, I don't have to worry about anything. That's why the giving at this church is pressure-free. Because nobody is big enough in this place to carry the vision of this place. Only God can do it. So no one feels any pressure. Raise your hand if you've ever been contacted privately by me or anybody from this church uh, to please give. Yeah, nobody. And you never will be. Let each man give as he's directed by the Spirit. 
not reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a, a cheerful giver. Anything you can't give cheerfully, you shouldn't give at all. You want to know why that's true? Because if you're not giving cheerfully, it shows you there's no faith attached to it. Faith has a running buddy called joy. When I sowed that 100000 before any of the money came in, I was excited to give it. I was happy. Well, the Lord spoke to us to give this. No. What am I going to hold on to $100,000 for? Again, it lasts me four days. But if I keep it in motion and the harvest keeps coming back, then I can never run dry. You'll never run dry in Jesus' mighty name. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand. This isn't talking about Harvard wisdom. This is talking about Bible wisdom. She offers you long life in her right hand. Everybody say long life. I just hope I make it through another year. Long life is in her right hand. Everybody say long life guaranteed. And then what's in her left hand? What does the Bible say? I'd rather have wisdom than riches. Yes, but then the Bible says if you go after that wisdom... I never had a goal to be rich, but the blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow. As you go after the wisdom of God, I don't, I'm not going to take a show of hands in this enormous crowd, but some of you just in coming eight months, six months, the word, you'd sit in meetings like this and the word, I'd be preaching to you and you didn't hear one thing I said for the last 40 minutes because the Holy Spirit was preaching his own sermon to you. Change this, correct this, do this, and you listened. And it straightened things out and caused something that was blocked to start flowing again. Can you say amen? So the wisdom of God offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in the other hand. That's what you have. Everybody say length of days. Say a life worth living. Say riches and honor. Now lift your hands. As you commit your way to the Lord at the tail end of this year, getting ready to cross over into another year. All these things that the Bible guarantees are yours. I thank you, Father, that they will flood every life that's here. I pray every person who feels like they've hit the top, that you'll show them a new top in 2024. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Before they receive the offering, I do want to tell you that. What would have happened if when we hit, you know, I never thought we'd hit a million dollars. I know people have been in the ministry for good ministers that have been in the ministry 45 years, 50 years, and never had a million dollar a year. That's unheard of. What if we'd have hit a million and I'd have stopped or three million and stopped or five million and stopped? It's not that you have ambition for more. It's you understand that God's a God of explosive increase. Why are you going to let the wicked influence everything that's done in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania and the United States? Why not let the Lord bless you in 2024 and not just give you wealth, but give you what comes with wealth? Influence. This is going to be a church full of people of influence in Jesus' mighty name. 
If you're one of them, can you say a loud amen? So the envelopes are in your seat. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Revival today. If you're giving by credit card or bank card, all the information's there. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, you click give now. Give you a second to do that. We have a way to help you if you don't want to leave all your money to the government to set up a will for free. Churchwill. Uh, there it is. Churchwill.com, and then there's a drop-down box, and you can leave money to Revival Today if you'd like. You don't have to, and we don't know who gave any money. So that way, if you want prayer because you're not feeling well, it doesn't affect our prayers. Whereas if you were leaving like $70 million, we go, maybe it's your time. But I'm only 38. Shh. Pastor, why are you holding a pillow over my face? Churchwill.com. You can set up a will for free. It's all legal. And then uh, if you want to mail it, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. If you're watching on replay, thank you for your giving. God bless you. Give you about 15 more seconds, and then we'll pray over the seed and receive it. And kick off the best Christmas Eve and Christmas you've ever had in your life. Amen? So what, next, next week, I guess it'll all be on the announcements. So next week will be New Year's Eve morning, and then we'll have the New Year's Eve crossover service, which starts at 9 p.m. and then 8 p.m. in Texas. And we'll cross over and give the theme for the new year. That's always a powerful service. Don't miss that. You know, New Year's Eve, if you listen to me, I'll, I'll give you a nicer life. New Year's Eve is a tricky time for a Christian because you basically have two choices. You can go out and have fun, and then basically it's going to force you into a place where you're going to violate all your deepest held beliefs. Plus, what did I teach on the, this whole first part? How giving God the first matters. Why start a new year with a hangover in the same pit you've been trying to crawl out of for the last however many years? So you either so you say, yeah, you're right. So then you stay home. Nobody, and that's a, an awful way to start the year, playing Scrabble with your grandma or whatever. You know, it's not that it's wrong to do it other times, but who wants to start the year that way? But then this gives you an option where you, you can begin the new year in the house of God, hearing the word from the Lord, and consecrate the year from the jump to God. Amen? So that'll be here tomorrow, or uh, next Sunday, 10 a.m., and then we have the night service at 9 p.m., and that's going to be off the hook. I have a word for the new year from the Lord, and uh, it's going to be a great year for Revival Today Church. Look at all God's done this year. Imagine all he's going to do next year, because he's a God of increase. Hold your seat up before the Lord. Father, I thank you for a hundredfold return on every seed that's sown today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, while they're receiving the offering, go ahead and play the video announcements.
Merry Christmas Eve Revival Today Church. Sit back and enjoy this week's announcements. Our annual New Year's Eve celebration is coming up next Sunday, December 31st at 9 p.m. in Pittsburgh and at 8 p.m. in Fort Worth, Texas. Meet us at Montour Junction Sports Complex if you're here in Pittsburgh and meet us at the Lifestyle Christianity Building if you attend church in Fort Worth, Texas. We can't wait to kick off this new year with you. If you attend church in Fort Worth, Texas, this announcement is for you. Fort Worth, Texas, Revival Today. Tell them what we're gonna have. Yes, get ready for an epic New Year Eve party here at RTC Fort Worth. It's going to start at 8 p.m. sharp and we're going to celebrate all the way through the new year at 12 a.m. We're going to have hors d'oeuvres. We're going to have an amazing dessert bar. We're going to have hot chocolate, coffee, even a slime station for the kids with kids crafts. So come on out and bring your families and celebrate with us. It's going to be awesome. We are about to embark on 21 days of prayer and fasting here at Revival Today Church. And if you know anything about prayer and fasting and you've done it with us here at RT, you know that this is what you need to do to reach that next level, to hit that next breakthrough, to expand your territory and see increase in all areas. If you're interested in being a part of this 21 days of prayer and fasting, make sure you register online at rtcregister.com. Spiritual Emphasis Weekend is coming up next weekend, January 5th through January 7th. Join us on Friday for service at 7, join us on Saturday for communion at 6, and then on Sunday, 10 a.m., right back here at Montour Junction Sports Conference. If you have a child or a baby that you'd like to be dedicated at Revival Today Church, join us on Sunday, January 7th for a special baby dedication service. If you attend church in Fort Worth, Texas, and you fall between the ages of 12 to 18, this announcement is for you. Pastor Jay and Maddie are coming to you to launch Revival Today Youth Fort Worth, Texas. Join us on Friday, December 29th from 7 to 9.30 at 2601 Presidio Vista Drive. Make sure you register for this event at rtcregister.com. If you're a part of the Pittsburgh campus and you are interested in being an official member here at Revival Today Church, make sure you join us next Sunday, December 31st, immediately following service for our new members class. If you have questions or you want more information on any of the announcements you've just heard, make sure you visit rtcregister.com. Those have been your announcements for this week. We wish you a Merry Christmas from Revival Today Church. Give Jesus another great hand clap. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. We started a message two weeks ago, having a word-based expectation for your life. I'm going to finish it today, and I wanted to use the, the Christmas Scripture in Luke chapter 2 to explain uh, as a foundation for it. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Everybody say joy to the world. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, that shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I want you to notice that when the announcement came about Jesus being born into the world, 
It wasn't an angel came and said, now everyone has to start going to church on Sunday. It wasn't, you people are having too much fun, and now it's time to get serious and pray and fast. The announcement was joy to the world. December, uh, Je- Genesis 3.15, when Adam and Eve sinned, God gave a prophecy that the serpent has bruised your heel, but I will send another who will crush your head. All the world lay in waste, in sin, in the problems that many of us grew up with. Abuse. I mean, sin came into the world. You have the first family murder one chapter later where a brother kills another brother. That all came from sin. But then the announcement was that Jesus is going to come. Number one, you'll name him Jesus. You'll call him Jesus for he will save the people from their sins. And he'll bring joy to all people. Most churches, I grew up in church, most churches that you go to, there's not an ounce of joy. It's like you think you're having God's funeral every Sunday. But that's not why Jesus came. People did not have joy. And then when Christ came, he came to bring joy. John 10.10, called the gospel in one verse. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have and have it, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus did not come so you could endure life. He came so you could enjoy life. That's why the announcement was joy to the world. You're not leaving a better life. And well, you know, I almost died from alcohol and drugs, so... I'm going to bite the bullet and start going to church and quit having fun. No. Joy is found in knowing God through his son, Jesus Christ. If you can testify to that, can you say amen? Amen. Jesus came to alleviate the burdens of life. Jesus came to practically alleviate the literal burdens of life. I'm going to play you a video to show you how he does it. This is a lady that found us on Daystar, that came from a a church background. She actually went to seminary where they taught miracles don't happen anymore. God doesn't heal anymore. Most churches you go to, I would come to that conclusion too. You don't see a sign of any life of God anywhere. But the Bible doesn't teach that God doesn't do these things anymore. It actually teaches the exact opposite. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The title of the message is having a word-based expectation of your life. Because what you believe determines what you speak, and what you speak determines what you have. Out of the abundance of the, the mouth speaks. And the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So this lady, you're going to see how messed up her body was. And as soon as she heard the will of God and believed it and took it as hers, watch the transformation that took place. Roll it. My name's Tanya Smith and I'm from Sarasota, Florida. And I'm excited to share my testimony with you tonight because I know this was ordained by the Lord. Um, I, uh, I was born with muscular dystrophy, a rare form. There's 43 different forms. Um, and mitochondrial disease, which is a genetic defect in every cell of your body. And it progressively gets worse with age. And about 10 years ago, I became dependent on a wheelchair. 
um, because using any energy, I would get so physically sick. And then fast forward four years ago, I was so sick that I was totally bed bound. Um, I couldn't stand up. When I did, my blood would pool in my feet, autonomic dysfunction. Um, I was in a wheelchair that would hold me up laterally and also with a headpiece to hold my head up. Um, so on IV fluids every day, also life-sustaining medication for organ function. So I really thought that this was the end. And pain, lots of pain, 24 hours a day with no end in sight. Um, so four years, I'm praying, you know, uh, don't know how to get out of this that I'm in. I mean, I love the Lord. I'm a Bible college graduate. I started to pray because I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't sit up for more than a couple of minutes or stand for more than a couple of minutes. And I said, Lord, show me the way to my healing because I can't believe that you would just pick and choose some people to be healed and not others. It doesn't make any sense to me, right? So um, I said, Lord, show me the way and show me in such a way that I can share my testimonies that others might be able to get to that same place of wholeness and healing. And um, <laughs> I turned on Daystar on my husband's day off and we're watching and Jonathan came on. And when he came on, it ignited my spirit and my faith in such a way that I knew that I was hearing the message in a different way, in a new way that I hadn't heard before. It wasn't as the world preaches, but as God... <laughs> Thank you. But as God's word teaches, right? And Jonathan showed me that, you know, it's not, um, oh, well, if it's God's will, it is God's will for me to be well. I have been healed. So, so I started praying a little differently and I started telling myself, I have been healed. I am healed. I am whole. And I kept putting God's word in and I started listening to Jonathan's teaching every day and every night because I could not get enough because I knew that there was truth in the way that he was preaching. And so I said, you know, my body, all of a sudden my body started to line up. I started getting stronger and I noticed that um, one day I was standing up in the kitchen for more than like three minutes and I was like, this is new. Like, I don't have to go sit down. This is great. And um, so I came across Jonathan on day start in August, beginning of August. So the beginning of September, I started to get some strength and it was up off my bed, sick bed. So, um, so August, so September, um, sick September 19th it was, I went to my muscular dystrophy clinic appointment because I've been a muscular dystrophy patient for years and years. And I've gone to the same clinic for 16 years and progressively gotten weaker and weaker and sicker and sicker. And, you know, there is no cure by man. Um, so it was really a death sentence. I had made out my will. Um, I was that horribly sick. And um, when I went in, I knew Pause that I had gained. I don't know if you can see, I was standing on the platform when that was happening high up in the mountains. And uh, you see her husband keeps staring at her feet and he's crying and he doesn't seem like much of a crier. And he told me after, he said, I haven't seen my wife stand up like this and go upstairs and I can't remember how many years. He's just, look at her, look at him, just staring at her feet. I'm talking about, I don't know if you're catching this testimony, a completely irreversible situation. And then, when you have muscular dystrophy, you know a lot of things. You heard her say she can't read her Bible. Your eyes are connected to muscles that they need to focus. Then your diaphragm that exhales carbon dioxide is a muscle. 
So she's on a ventilator in a wheelchair because she can't exhale carbon dioxide. She's getting carbon dioxide poisoning. And then it all, no prayer. Just listening. I was only on back then an hour a week. One hour a week. Um, look at the difference. of You heard what she said. Up until then, she thought life was a product. God heals some. God doesn't heal some. It's not for us to question. I'm not looking to take a show of hands and embarrass your former church. But if I took a show of hands, a lot of you, that's what you heard growing up. God makes some people rich, some people poor. He heals some, doesn't heal others. It's not for us to question. One day we'll get it when we're in heaven. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches today I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your family might live. And you heard her. And who could blame her? She made out her will. She accepted what everyone told her. Maybe your life's been like that. You don't have a word-based expectation. You have a WebMD-based medication or, uh, expectation of your life. No one recovers from this. This is what you have. Make out your will. This doesn't get better. This gets worse. But I've got good news. I have what Jesus came to bring you, joy, that the way things started is not how it has to finish in Jesus' name. Go ahead and finish it. Some strength. But I didn't expect what was coming because the occupational therapist came in. You see a team of people. She checked my shoulders and my hips, which are always weak. And she said, they're five plus. And I said, I don't know what that means. I never heard five plus. That's perfect muscle strength. Thank you. I left out that I was also on a ventilator. Because my diaphragm was so weak that I couldn't take in enough oxygen and I was being poisoned by CO2. So not only IV fluids in a wheelchair, but on a ventilator. Um, so the respiratory team again. comes. You, hear, you know, think about it. If you don't even have muscular dystrophy, your muscles don't get stronger as a woman in your 50s or as a man in your 40s. You have to work out to, to, to tread water just to stay even. Because your body feeds on your muscles first. You'd think if you fasted for 21 days, you'd lose your belly fat. You just end up with arms like Bob Barker and the same stomach. I don't like that design. I don't know why the body doesn't go for the fat first, but it goes for the muscles. So how, how, how do you have increased muscle strength sitting in a room listening to television? That's not working out. She didn't say, no, when I heard that, I started taking supplements and working out every, No. The Bible says about itself, God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. You're not listening to some manual about improving your behavior. You're listening to the power of God. It's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it alone is the power, the power that'll make muscles strong, power that'll reverse your life. I'll stop interrupting her. Go ahead. And they do their tests and they said, your respiratory function is above anything that we can imagine. We're, they, said, they said, we are going to recommend that your doctor take you off your ventilator. Is that okay with you? I said, yes, absolutely. So they, um, they send the doctor in. She does all of her tests with my legs and all my other function and says, everything is five plus. We sat there with so much joy on our face. I said, Jesus. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Give Jesus a great hand clap for that mirror. It's all him. Having a word-based expectation for your life. Word-based, not hype-based. This isn't, well, that guy in the blue suit said, we're going to have a better year. No, the Bible tells you steps you can take that guarantee, just like it's a guarantee. If I introduced meth into my weekly routine, my life is not, stands a 0% chance of improving and a 100% chance of getting worse. True or false? So do you think God made life where you can only introduce negative things into your life? that produce negative results, but nothing you can introduce in your life that guarantees a positive result? No, we read it during the offering. My son, attend unto my words, for they'll bring a profiting into every area of your life. Why is it important to have a word-based expectation for your life? Because what you expect is what you experience. The expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. You expect a crap life, you will have a crap life. Number two, what you expect shapes your confession. Death and life is in the power of the. So if you expect, and I grow, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh. I live in Pittsburgh now, most, you know, a few days a year. Sundays, basically. If you're from here, we like self-deprecating humor, which I love it myself. But that can cross a line, which it does with most Pittsburgh people, from self-deprecating humor to just negative talk. Nothing ever works out. If I won the lottery, I'd probably get hit by a bus. You know, uh, how's it going? Same S-H-I-T. That's how people talk here. They have an X. So their mouth starts to, if death and life is in the tongue, and all your confession is nothing ever works out, that's the way it is for me, then nothing is ever going to work out. You notice when that woman heard the word, she didn't say, I didn't believe it. She said, I believed it, and I started to say, that doesn't make sense. I should be able to be healed. There has to be a change in your heart that produces a change in your mouth. What you expect shapes your confession. And number three, your confession shapes your life. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, not in God's hand, my tongue. I can speak death to my life, or I can speak life to my life. You know, we have a ton of people here. Last week, by the way, if you didn't see the Instagram post, we broke the record. We had 1,200, uh, just under 1,250 people last Sunday. And the people at the Roxy and Theater said it's the most people they've ever seen there since they were working, more than any concert that's been at that place. This church broke the record. Probably a record salvation for the year. Do you want to know? Do you want to know in less than two years? How we got to 1,200 people in the church? I'll tell you how we didn't get there. Saying how hard it is being a pastor. Nobody wants to hear the word anymore. How many know the world's wicked? People don't have time for church. Most pastors, it's not the devil keeping their church small. It's their mouth keeping their church small. If you came to this church from, from week one, what did we start saying week one? We're going to 1,000 people. There won't be buildings big enough to hold this church. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. From today, stop saying death about your life. Start saying I know the Lord is making a way for me where there is no way. Say it out loud. My confession shapes my life. So your expectation shapes your confession. And your confession shapes your life. Popular misconceptions. Life is all bad. 
misconception number one, life's bad, and one day it'll all be worth it when we get to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. You hear it from the pulpit, it's not your fault if you believe that way. Most pulpits preach that. How many know everything in this world's been corrupted by sin? No, everything hasn't. The Bible is called incorruptible seed. Has the Bible been corrupted by sin? No. The Bible is incorruptible seed. And where does that word live if you're a believer? In you. So you have a part of you that has not been corrupted by this world, the word that's incorruptible seed that dwells in your heart. And then when you speak it out of your mouth, you're speaking words that aren't under the dominion of the sin that's in this world. They have dominion over the sin that's in this world. Number two. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to number two. Life's all bad. One day we'll get to heaven and it'll all be worth it. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down? I don't have to go up to heaven to get the blessing. Heaven, this is, you know, I actually stumbled in trying to not preach a Christmas message. I've stumbled onto the Christmas message. I don't have to die and go to heaven to get the blessing. Those angels announced heaven has come down to bring the blessing to you. I don't have to wait till I die to get it. Jesus came and brought it down 2,000 years ago. And if I believe in him, in believing in him, you shall have life. I'm not waiting till I die. I'm having it right now. Can you say amen? This section smells like weed. It's relaxing me. Popular misconception number two. Nice to be back in the Bob Marley section. <laughs> Good Lord, it smells like a sublime concert back here. Number two, popular misconception. <laughs> Anybody else getting hungry? No. <laughs> I wish I was joking. Febreze and ganja. I'm going to stay over in this section before I get high and start preaching weird doctrine. Popular mis... <laughs> How many know heaven's more of a state of mind, bro? Okay, somebody take the microphone. He's, he's been overcome by marijuana. Number two, popular misconception. <laughs> what happened to this service? A life of ups and downs. So some people... They're not so negative that they think life's nothing but bad and sorrow, and then one day it'll be worth it when you get to heaven. But they just make it a notch better that it's ups and downs. That, I would say, is what's preached in the majority of churches. How many know to get from one mountaintop to the other, you have to go through a valley? Now, if somebody preaches that to you, okay, like last week, we sold that $100,000 and had 275 come out of nowhere. The, year, the week they took us off of YouTube, the week before, which is usually about 65% of what comes in comes th through online giving when we're doing meetings because we have thousands of people watching on there. You know, that should have been a bad week. We had, we, it was a half million dollar week the week YouTube took us down for medical misinformation. Yeah. You know why it's called medical? And it, we weren't talking about vaccines. You know why, what they call medical misinformation? They don't want this message going out because you heard what happened? I didn't tell that lady you need to stop. I didn't even know who that lady was. 
Her own health care providers came and took all the medical equipment out of the house. Now, I'm going to tell you, there are many people here today that by this time next year, all the medical equipment will be out of your house. All the pills will be out of your house, and YouTube can't do a freaking thing about it. Can you say amen? So whoever's watching me with a purple crew cut in San Jose, deal with it. Ups and downs. Now, if we had a week like we had last week, where we had 275,000 come in unexpectedly, if I believed in a mountains, to go from one mountain to the other, you have to go through a valley, then what would I subconsciously expect after having a miracle? What would I expect? Well, something bad's gonna happen now. That's where most people are. They actually expect, every time they have a victory, they expect something, well, God probably gave us that money because something's gonna go wrong. Then you start having an expectation for attack. Anybody else besides me grow up in church where every time they went on a missions trip, they expected something bad to happen? We're going to be going overseas. We'll get all get very sick. You can get sick in Pittsburgh. You have to go to a foreign country to get sick. Did God call you to go to another country to kill you there? Or did he call you there to go there to preach the gospel? Many people, without knowing it, they have expectation for trouble. How many of you know to go from one mountaintop to the other, you have to go through a valley? That's not even true geographically speaking. There are mountains with multiple peaks where you don't have to go from one to a valley. You go from the one peak to the other peak. Secondly, this is not geography class. Does the Bible say, teach ups and downs? Or does it say if you, in Deuteronomy 28, if you do what I tell you to do, you will always be the and never the, you will always be on, and how many times at the bottom? Never. How hard, it, how hard, you need a theologian to mess that up for you. Always on top, never at the bottom. Number three, popular misconception, that life is basically a flow of what's happening around you. So if the economy's good, you'll do good. If the economy's not doing good, you won't do well as well. That's why there's people waiting right now to see if we're going to, this recession's finally going to hit in 2024. I think this is actually going to be the year. Let me tell you, I don't say this callously because people need help. And people don't have the faith that people in this church have. So if, if the economy goes south, it's bad for them. But it's not bad for me. Because part of our blessing is God said, I will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. So my life doesn't reflect what's happening in the country I'm in. My life reflects my covenant with God. Can you say amen? And then let's deal with one more popular misconception. Number four. What about Job? Some of you, if your family was sitting here right now that doesn't go to this church, they'd just, and they could have a moment alone with me. Jonathan, what about Job? The cigarette smoking, one Sunday a month Christian's favorite Bible character. What about Job? First of all, of all the people in the Bible, you gravitated to Job? What's wrong with you? Why, why would you go for Job rather than Jesus? Okay, but let's deal with Job. Was Job born after Christ did his work or before Christ did his work? Before. Secondly, did God make Job sick? Or does the Bible say in Job 2.7, Satan went forth from the presence of God and smote Job with boils? Satan did it. Then secondly, how was Satan able to do it? 
Job had to prove his justification to God. We are not justified by works. We are justified by... So the way that Satan found access to Job, he could never find access to a New Testament believer. Finally, about Job. Baptist Bible scholars tell us his whole ordeal took place between 9 and 18 months. If you would put on the screen Job 42.10. How does Job's story end? Even Job, after less than two years, then Job prayed for his friends. And the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him double what he had before. Job didn't end in defeat. Job ended with double. I prophesy to everybody that's here today that the devil's made your life a living hell. You're not finishing that way. You're finishing with the blessing of God in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive that, go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God on Christmas Eve. Joy to the world. The Savior has come. What about Paul? That revival today, church, they tell everybody you can have victory and healing. What about Paul? Paul was always in prison. No, he wasn't always in prison. He's always getting broken out of prison. Not after no 11 years either. Throw them in at 11, out by midnight. How do you read the book of Acts and see the book of Acts as a story of defeat? That the early church was always being destroyed. The Bible says that the leaders actually met together because no matter what they did, they could not stop the growth of the church of Jerusalem. True or false? What is the book of Acts? That you read it, that Jesus' disciples started out, held some meetings, got some people saved, and eventually were all killed, and that was the end of Christianity. And now some guy named Jonathan is trying to resurrect it in Pittsburgh. No. It went worldwide. It could not be stopped. They try to stop it still. They tried to stop it when we were in Coriopolis. How did it work out? Look around. If they were upset that we had 400, they must be on high blood pressure medication now. You can't curse what God has blessed, and we are anointed to grow regardless of opposition. Popular misconceptions. What about Job? What about Paul? What about the early church? I want to give you just a few scriptures that show you that life, according to the Bible, is not supposed to be ups and downs. It's supposed to be ups and ups. Say with me, from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from strength to strength. Here's what the Bible says. Some scriptures, not all of them. Job 36, 11. So you can't leave here and say, Jonathan said we can have victory. The Bible says, Job 36, 11, if they listen and obey, they will be blessed with prosperity. I don't believe in prosperity. <laughs> then go start your own religion. It says it right there. If they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with what? Throughout their entire lives, how many of their years will be pleasant? That's what the Bible says. I mean, a life is full of sorrow. Are you making up your own Hallmark Channel Bible? All 
their years will be pleasant. I can have a word-based expectation of a pleasant, prosperous 2024. Number two, Isaiah 3.10. Say to the righteous, all will be well, for they will eat the fruit of their righteousness. Keep that up on the screen. Those preachers tell everybody everything's going to work out for them. Yeah, because the Bible commands us to, dummy. Isaiah 3.10. Say, tell, this is a command to preachers. Tell the righteous, everything is going to go well for you. So I'm going to do what the Bible says. I tell every believer in the sound of my voice, no matter what's going wrong around you, God is going to make every crooked path straight. All will be well. Number three, John 16, 33, amplified. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In this world you will have trials and tribulations and distress and frustration. But it doesn't end there. I've heard that. I've heard people preach on that as half a verse my whole life. I mean, Jesus said in this world we will have trials and tribulations. Finish the verse. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world, and in so doing, I have deprived the world of having any power to harm you or to conquer you. You know, old preachers used to say, they used to tell other preachers, let the word do the work. In other words, instead of you trying to like be some Monkey, somebody puts a quarter in their back and you dance around and entertain. Just let the Bible do the work because the Bible's anointed. Look at how people are clapping and giving standing ovations and all I'm doing is reading verses. The Bible in itself carries the power for victory. Number four, Joshua 1, 5, 8, and 9. God said, no one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth. I believe the Bible. It doesn't say just believe it. It says the Bible, if you want to have it where no enemy can stand before you, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You know these scriptures I'm giving you? You should just rewind this part the rest of the, this week and through fasting and prayer and just start saying these kind of scriptures. Thank you, Father, that you've stripped through Jesus Christ. You have stripped this world of having any power to harm me whatsoever. Don't just believe it in your heart. Speak it with your mouth. This book of the law shall never depart out of thy mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. There's that word again. And you shall have good success. Everybody say prosperous. Good success. I'm going to tell you right now, as most of you already know, through 60 years of public school 
and MSNBC and CNN and Viacom, they are trying to turn this nation communist. And to do that, they have to get people to hate prosperity. What does somebody need a jet for? People should drive less cars. People should have fewer homes. People should have less property. People should eat crickets instead of beef. I'm not going down that trail. God didn't tell me to have less. God told me he'd increase me if I put him first. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the blessings of the gospel. I'm going to have what God said. Because you'll never have anything you're ashamed of. I don't think you need all that. Then don't have it. Prosperous and good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong. And of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with, with thee. Whithersoever thou goest. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God. Who gives us the. Say it like you didn't pass away two weeks ago. Who gives us the. Victory. We know we don't always have victory. What scripture are you using? I got a scripture. Now, if somebody doesn't believe the Bible, I can't help. I'm talking about preachers. I don't believe in that we always have victory. Okay, who cares what you believe? Who are you? No one cares. At some point, you're going to have to decide whether you're going to keep repeating what your family has always believed and little sayings people say around the house that are against the Word of God or whether you're going to say, I believe the Bible, I'm going to speak the Bible, and I'm going to have what the Bible says. And when you do that, you'll be the first to break every barrier that the devil has set up around your family that has kept them in the same place for years. I see you coming out today. In the name of Jesus. But thanks be unto God. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 31 and 37. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Jonathan, if they've printed all this money and there's nothing to back it, and debt levels are at the highest levels they've ever been, eventually the chickens will come home to roost and the dollar and economy will collapse. Okay, that doesn't change one scripture. You think God's up in heaven hoping the Federal Reserve gets their act together? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. God fed, I will remind every person in this building, God fed 1.3 million Israelites in the desert every day with no food bank, no giant eagle, no Federal Reserve, no nothing. God doesn't need anybody's help. He's God all by himself, and he's going to show himself to you in 2024. Nay, 37, in all these things, I like that word nay. I'm going to start using it more. I'm going to go out to eat today. Sir, can I bring you some water? Nay! I'll have Coke. Would you like a salad? Nay! Soup. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. 
There it is. 1 Corinthians 15. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Don't get it twisted. I'm not here preaching that we're great and it was with positive thinking. No, because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into the world, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, shed his holy blood on the cross and broke the power of sin, died in the ground, then was raised to life three days later and never died again because of Christ. Because of Christ, I am more than a conqueror because he lives in me and I live in him. If that sounds like you, one more time on this Christmas Eve, put those anointed hands together. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God. Go ahead and make a joyful noise. Your hand clap is announcing to Satan that you know he's defeated. Victory is mine. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say, victory is mine. Sister Clarita, get that cued up. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, kiss my behind. Victory today is mine. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Number seven, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. How many weapons? Jonathan. You know, in 2020, when we kept our ministry open, we had over 400 people call to tell me they're going to kill me. What weapon are you going to use? Because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Doesn't mean they won't form the weapons. Doesn't mean they won't file a lawsuit. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. A couple of challenges we hit in the growth of this church. Some of you were here on sun, sun, certain Sundays where I said some things from the mic that to the untrained person might seem like, oh, Jonathan, I think God a little in the flesh. He said this about those people that are trying to shut the church down. No, the Bible says every tongue that rises against you, not I will condemn, you will condemn. You have, if you notice with Jesus, anytime somebody spoke against him, he answered them back and put a chill up their spine. A closed mouth is a closed destiny. When someone feels anointed of the devil to speak something to your life, get anointed by the Holy Ghost to open up your mouth and make them regret it. Can you say amen? Now, not today though, not Christmas Eve. I'm not trying to cue you up so you go home for Christmas Eve with your family and rebuke the tar out of every person in your house. But starting December 26th, do what I tell you. <laughs> Good to see you. Psalm 91. Oh, sorry. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousnesses of me, saith the Lord. Psalm 84, 7. They go from strength to strength. From mountain to valley? No. They go from what? Strength to strength. Everybody say, I'm getting stronger. You know, that lady didn't get healed with muscular dystrophy in one hour. She started going from strength to strength. Everything's turning around. Can you say amen? You're not getting weaker, you're getting stronger. Everybody say, I'm going from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them 
in Zion that appears before God. That's why it's important to go to church every Sunday. This is a place where you get stronger. That's why you knew Dr. Fauci was a rat. People will get sick if they go to church. People don't get sick when they go to church. They get healed in church. I said people don't get sick in church. They get healed in church. Psalm 91.7. Though a thousand fall at thy side and 10,000 are dying all around you, these evils will not harm you. Everybody say covenant exemption. If you saw 10,000 people dying around you, most people would just lay down with them. Well, looks like everyone's dying. Say this out loud. What happens to others is not permitted to happen to me. Psalm 34, 19. Here's another half verse that's quoted. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But what's the second part? Say it out loud. The Lord delivers him out of how many of them? Every one of them. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, which how many times causes us to triumph? Always causes us to triumph. There's that word again, in Christ. You've got to be born again. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. That means when we're here, we smell like God. Even if you smell like weed, soon you'll be smelling like God. Amen. And maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. 1 John 5.18. This is a great scripture. And we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God or born of God keeps himself and the wicked one touches him not. The, go ahead. See, let the word do it. Too easy. Just let the Bible do all the work. Everybody say, the evil one touches me not. Because some people believe the devil's allowed to attack you and then God, God will deliver you from the attack. The Bible says he holds you in his strong right hand and the evil one can't touch you. Some people may have flies in their home that are monitoring spirits. But that's, that's their problem. Maybe just wash up and take the trash out. <laughs> Somebody explain to me how the devil can occupy the same home as a believer. Can light and darkness cohabitate the same place? No. Light drives out darkness. And the Bible says, Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But after I leave, who's the light of the world? You. How's the devil going to come in my house? Can't happen. We can't occupy the same. We're not on the same level. The devil's not over your head. The devil's not eye to eye. The devil is under your feet. Good to see you guys. I love you. <laughs> Luke ten nineteen. Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over how much of the power of the enemy? There's this one spirit. Her name's Lilith. Great. Let her know she's under my feet. Can you say Amen. How to get victory over the Lilith spirit. 
I already have victory over all spirits. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Everybody say, close both eyes and just take that scripture for the next 53 weeks. Say, nothing shall by any means harm me. Think of that. Nothing shall by any means harm me. I mean, be careful. Yet you have scriptures like that and you still have every Christian tell you on the way out of church, be careful. Of what? Nothing shall by any means harm me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Jonathan, I heard you're going to Africa. I'm going to keep you in prayer. I'm as safe in Africa as I am in America. I have angels that don't need passports. Can you say amen? 14. 1 John 5, 4. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Lift both hands in your seats. Let me pronounce a blessing over you. Father, I thank you that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I thank you for victory in every battle of life. I thank you that even if people have started out in defeat, that their life's not going to end in defeat. That today, even on Christmas Eve, they're going to sing a new song. That everything's turning around for their good. In Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. Thank you that all of our battles are transferred out of our hand and into your hand. In the name of Jesus Christ. That you never told us we had to be strong in our own strength. You told us you would give us your strength to be confident and undaunted and to win in every battle of life. We take that victory now. I said we take that victory now. On Christmas Eve, as you've come into the house of God today, everything the devil has tried to use to destroy your life, addiction, alcohol, depression, attack, in the name of Jesus, the last attack you saw will be the last attack you see. From this day forward, no more ups and downs, just ups and ups. From glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody say, enough is enough. Now, before we go our separate ways, if these things in the Bible are true, and you're sitting in your white seat thinking, I see that's in the Bible, Jonathan. I'm not denying it, but my life looks nothing like that. Everything has been a mess. One thing goes wrong, get that half sorted out, and another thing goes wrong. What do I do? How, how do you take what the Bible says and make it reality? How do you do it? Because the error most people make is if things aren't working, well, it doesn't work for me. But the Bible works for everyone. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is believing the word and speaking the word. Doesn't just work because you become a Christian. Christians are as defeated as everybody else because your average Christian doesn't have any practical knowledge or application of the word. But not you. Everybody say, not me. Say, I'm taking the word. I believe the word, I speak the word, and I have what the word says. How do you walk in total victory? Number one, make a decision to make a deliberate departure from everything the world does. 
The Bible says you have not received the spirit of this world. You've received the spirit of Christ. You can't live like the world and expect the benefits of somebody that walks in covenant with God. But you're already on the right step. The world's not in church today. It's Christmas Eve. You're supposed to take this Sunday off, just like the other 51. But here you are. So everybody say, I'm making a deliberate departure from the, wor- from the world. Yeah, you'd be amazed when 10% of your income goes to the kingdom of God instead of to Budweiser. Makes a difference. You make a deliberate departure from everything the world does. Number two, never mistake a challenge for a defeat. Well, I believe that, but then this went wrong. When Jesus called Peter to walk out on the water, did he walk out on the water? Yes. Then what happened? He sunk. What caused Peter to sink when he was walking out on the water? What did he get his eyes on? What was he looking at? The waves instead of Christ. Get your eyes on the circumstance and you'll sink. Keep your eyes on the word and you'll walk on the circumstance like Peter walked on the water. Hallelujah. Number three, 1 Timothy 4.15. Timothy, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear unto everyone. Number three, engage yourself in the work of the Lord. There should be something in this church that you have both your hands to. Our youth ministry just went over 100 students two weeks in a row, no outreach, no giveaways, just regular 100 students coming every week now. Young adults ministry just started a campus ministry at the University of Pittsburgh, 140 in attendance, the first service at the University of Pittsburgh, 50 first-time decisions for Christ. And I would say the majority were Chinese students that probably had never heard the gospel before. Get involved in something. Number four, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whatever is born of God. Everybody say born of God. There's a term they used to use that they don't use much anymore. They call people Christ followers or whatever. But they would use the term that's in the Bible, born again. Christianity is not joining a religion like joining Buddhism or Islam. The Bible says in John chapter 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And he meant born again so literally that Nicodemus said, how can I, a grown man, go back up inside of my mother and be born again? Jesus said, these things are not of the flesh, they're of the spirit. It's a spiritual rebirth that has to take place in a person. Not just going to church, not having the preacher pray over you. That's why, you know, we utilize technology as much as you can utilize it. But you scanning a QR code at the end of the service to join the church is not being born again. That can be something you do after you get born again. We pray a prayer with people. I think last week we must have had close to 100 people that prayed the prayer at Roxy and Theater. Because prayer... The sinner's prayer, that they call it, where you get rid of your sin by confession and receive the life of God, brings a rebirth on the inside of you by the Spirit. You can't stop drinking when you love to drink. You can't stop having outbursts of anger when anger is in your spirit. But if you give your old heart to God and receive a new birth, that's why Jesus came. Ye must be born again. I want to ask every person that's here, 
on this Christmas Eve. I want you to do something with me today. Imagine this Christmas taking on a completely different meaning where Christmas for the rest of your life is, that's not just the day Jesus came into the earth, that's the day I received Christ as my Savior, and everything has been different from that day. I want you to do that with me today. I know people have plans, because it's Christmas Eve. I'm not gonna keep you long, I promise you. But why not receive the whole thing we're celebrating? We're not celebrating evergreen trees and electric lights. We're celebrating that all men were bondage to sin. And somebody came from heaven and broke that bondage off of lives permanently. But it does you no good till you receive it. Will you receive Christ today? Receive that as a gift from heaven. I'm telling you, it will brighten every area of your life. Whatever Christ costs you up front, the returns are priceless. Why go to hell? Why live another year in hell? I think people think you're full of crap when you're a preacher, to be honest with you. They don't actually believe like that you never will have to battle depression again. But just like that woman came in here in a wheelchair, she's sitting right there now, and left running. It does not take God nine years to pull you out of a pit. God created the whole world in six days. He won't need more than five minutes to sort out your little life. The question is not whether God can do it. The question is, will you give yourself wholly to him? Stand on your feet, everybody. Other than that, please no moving around. If you say, Jonathan, on this Christmas Eve, I want to be born again. I believe God brought me here. I'm not here by chance. I believe God orchestrated events to get me here today so that I could kiss the devil goodbye. Goodbye, you and I have no further business together. I'm not living the way you want me to live. I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. I'm going to be born of God, and now you lose access to me. When you're born of God, the enemy can't touch you anymore. He doesn't have access to you. Can a Pakistani military officer arrest me? He can if I'm in Pakistan, but he can in Pittsburgh. He has no authority or jurisdiction here. When you live in the devil's kingdom, the devil can harass you at will. But when you get transferred into God's kingdom, the devil loses access to your life. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. The things that used to overcome you, depression, thoughts of suicide, anxiety, panic attacks, now instead of them being over you, they're under you. The enemy is under your feet. And all it starts with is a simple prayer. It's the reason God hates a sin called pride. Because murder is not going to keep you in your seat. Adultery is not going to keep you in your seat. Pride's going to keep you in your seat. I don't want anyone to see me. Well, Jesus didn't say I would go to the cross and die for those people, but I don't want anybody to see me hanging up there. He died for you publicly, and he asked all, you don't have to die for him, just stand. Make a public stand for Jesus Christ. And he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father that's in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father that's in heaven. Some of you, when you make this decision today, it's going to clear the devil out of your whole house. Your kids are going to have an easy path to serve the Lord because you're blazing the trail. It only takes one person in the family to say enough is enough. I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. There's many here that need to do that today. 
You're not living in victory over sin. Sin's living in victory over you, but that's going to change right now because you're going to make a decision. Decisions determine destiny. God already voted for you. Satan voted against you. Now it's time for you to cast the deciding ballot. If you say, Jonathan, when you pray in 90 seconds, I want you to pray with me. I want today to be the day where Christ becomes a reality to me, not a historical or religious figure. My Savior. There will be born unto you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to make that stand today. I want you to put your hand up high and wave it at me right now. See, that's a ton of people. Very quickly, everyone everyone that lifted your hand, come and join me right now. We're going to pray. Come quick. We'll pray quick. Get you on your way. But this matters. Go ahead and sing it. Today's your day. This is awesome. What a harvest on Christmas Eve. to start a second line. That's amazing. This is, this is amazing. Hey, sir, sir, me amigo, Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming. God bless you. There's more people coming. There's a lady, red and black, just... Chicago Bulls come. Well, this is what I wanted for Christmas. The Lord gave it to me. This is friggin' awesome. Praise God. A beautiful altar call. All right, I promise I want to keep you long. Otherwise, I'll just stare at you for like eight more minutes. Let's pray this out loud together. I love how many people are here with their families and stuff. You look nice for Christmas. Thank you. Thanks for coming. It is a blessing having you. 
I really hope I get to know you. Some other day, I know you want to go home with your family and stuff. I'm glad you're here. Okay, now that you're here, let's pray and let's really like turn your faith loose and let's believe that A, not only is God going to write your name in heaven in the Lamb's Book of Life, but B, every affliction of the enemy that's coming to your life, abuse, addiction, whatever, that the Lord takes it off your life and you never battle those things again. Sound good? God will heal your body. God will heal every part of you. Lift your hands to the Lord. If you're holding a cane or something, you can only lift one hand, it's fine. It's fine for like two minutes, but then you should get rid of, you should get, get healed, get rid of the cane. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward today to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean in Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.